Welcome to Body Sculpt of New York Six Weeks to Fitness Podcast, where we hope to inform, motivate, encourage, and inspire you towards living a healthier lifestyle. And now, here's your host, the president of Body Sculpt of New York, Vince Ferguson. Hi, welcome to episode 173 of my Six Weeks of Fitness podcast. Thank you so much for listening in. Now, you may ask yourself, what does faith, fitness, and spirituality have to do with achieving success? Well, according to my next guest, actress and model Mercedes De La Cruz, it has a lot to do with it. For the next 40 minutes, Mercedes will share her life's journey, which started out at the tender age of three as a ballerina and to the age of 13 when she moved out of her family's home, only to find moderate success. And in her later years, getting caught up with drugs and alcohol until she found faith, fitness, and spirituality that turned her life around and she is now willing to help others. This is a fascinating story about a truly amazing woman. I didn't have any friends or family here. I didn't know what I was going to do. I didn't even know if I was going to act. I was just, again, going on faith and saying, and I said, all right, all right, universe, all right, God. I know that everything's always working out for me. So let's just dive in and trust that everything that I desire is still going to be accessible and and, and I'm just going to do it. And so I did. Mercedes De La Cruz is a Canadian-born actress and model best known for her memorable and charismatic performances in more than two dozen television shows and independent films. After a successful modeling career, Dela Cruz made the transition to a versatile supporting actor, lauded as a great actress by the likes of Academy Award nominee Sally Kirkland, for her role as Carla, a savvy pregnant prostitute, and ramshackle blues, Dela Cruz was nominated for Best Supporting Actress at the 2019 Vancouver Badass Film Festival. Dela Cruz recently wrapped filming the co-lead in the feature Because You're Dead to Me and a co-starring role on the Netflix series Made. But most recently, she wrapped up filming a movie with comedian Burt Kreischer called The Machine. She will discuss this movie later in the interview. An extensive spiritual journey led her to overcome an alcohol and drug addiction. Her in-depth study in A Course in Miracles led her to a massive change in her perspective and gave way to her being able to see energy on objects. This new development opened her eyes to energy work and set her on an even deeper mission. Health and fitness has always been a high priority for Mercedes. As a classically trained ballerina, for well over a decade, she is no stranger to a strict fitness regimen. She lifts weights, does circuit training, yoga, and Pilates. And when it comes to nutrition, Mercedes has always been interested in pushing her boundaries. Everything from intermittent fasting to breatharianism, all the paleo diet to, to being a vegetarian. She is now a firm believer in being in communication with your body, giving it what it needs and eating a lot less than we are used to. Let's welcome Mercedes Dela Cruz to our Six Weeks of Fitness podcast. Mercedes, how are you? Hi. Wow. I'm really good. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. Before we talk about fitness and spirituality, let's talk also about your acting career. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. You started out as a model, a very successful one, and yet you transitioned to acting. 
what or who inspired you to get into acting? Well, you know, I actually, even before modeling, I, I was a dancer. And I started on stage when I was three years old. And I really liked performing. You know, ballet was one thing, but performing, just being up there and the crowd and um, the lights and the excitement and all the energy up there, like, I, I just, I really, really wanted more of that. And I mean, that was, I was super young. I was three years old. Um, and so I, I've been on stage kind of ever since. So it, I wasn't, I wasn't actually inspired by anyone really specific to, to, to perform. I just kind of have always done it. And actually my, my boyfriend asked me this today. He said, it, we were doing this, this fitness stretching class a little while ago and I was really flexible. And he's like, have you always been so flexible? <laughs> and and I was like, well, yeah, I was a ballerina. And he was like, well, but before you were a ballerina. And I'm like, well, there wasn't anything before I was a ballerina. Right, you're a toddler. <laughs> you know, like, I don't, yeah, I don't have any memories, like, in-depth memories of what it was like to be before, wow. you know, before I was three years old. So it, it feels that same way with uh, performing as well. Well, so you're actually doing what you believe you were born to do. Yeah, pretty much. And that's the funny thing, you know, I... I, I think I, being a, a dancer, and it wasn't just ballet that I did. I, I did ballet, jazz, musical theater, song and dance, um, you know, like whatever my dance school had, either than tap, because I heard it was bad for your knees. Really. <laughs> oh, um, okay. I, but, you know, I was, I, I, I was always dancing um, and performing and I, I realized later on that it, it wasn't even really dance that I wanted to do. It was more the performing side, but it, it was my mom who really was like, Oh, you're such a great dancer. And I, I wanted, I, I wanted to make her happy, you know, and we do that as human beings. We yes. want to please the other people around us and get approval. Um, but I think if someone would have really asked me like what, what I preferred, I, I probably would have been acting a lot sooner. Really, a lot sooner. Yeah, I mean, not sooner than three, but I mean, right. acting rather than taking all that year, all those years of dance. I think I I would have liked to get more into acting sooner than I did. Hmm. But doesn't having that background in dance complement your acting? Absolutely. Uh, you know, I I think there's a lot of major benefits from all the dance classes that I took and. In that is discipline, right? Um, Also, um, you know, confidence and learning about you, about about your body as well. Um, You know, I, I, I'm not, I'm not shy by any means. (laughs) And I don't know if I would have ever been, but uh, all all the years of being on stage or being around that many people, um, I think probably contributed to that as well. And then also listening, right? Like being able to take direction. Uh, I think that was cultivated in dance. I I know you were born in Edmonton, Canada, but you moved to Mm -hmm. Vancouver. Why did you move to Vancouver? To pursue acting. (laughs) Really? I, uh, yeah, I, in, I mean, gosh, for, I've always worked really hard and I left home really early. Uh, when I was about 13 years old was the first time that I left home really? and I, yeah. And I always had lots of, lots of jobs, you know, like I, 
I, I really um, wanted to be successful. And so I had, you know, part-time jobs and even through school, even when I wasn't living uh, with my family, I, I always worked. And then I started a bunch of businesses and I had a home decor and painting company and wow. I had a marketing and promotions company Ooh. and I was modeling and acting and traveling and I was doing so many things. And I was really spread thin. And I think um, because of that, and I, probably because I was drinking a lot as well, I, I just wasn't feeling centered and I felt, I felt quite depressed. And a close friend of mine, Robert Andrews, who had been a photographer actually, who had been taking my picture since I was 17 years old, he, um, he sat me down and he was like, all right, you're not happy. I can see that. What is it that you need to be doing? Or if you woke up every day and you were going to be doing something that would make you happy, what would it be? And without even thinking, I was like acting. Like it was like quick. Quick. Hmm. Quick, quick, quick answer. And he was like, okay, you got to move. And so I thought about, you know, two places that I could live uh, in Canada where I could still, I, I would, I, I would act and it would be either Toronto or Vancouver. And Vancouver was a lot closer <laughs> okay. to Edmonton. Yeah. Um, and I, I chose, I chose Vancouver. And so within like, I think it was three weeks, I got rid of everything pretty much that I owned and packed up what I could fit in my Volvo and moved to Vancouver. And I didn't really? know what I was going to do. I didn't have an agent. I didn't know anybody. I didn't, you know, have an acting class set up. I, you know, nothing. I, I had no idea, but I just felt that that's where I needed to be. And, you know, lo and behold, it worked out perfectly. <laughs> yeah, most definitely. Now, again, you stepped, so you stepped out on faith. Oh yeah. Right. I do that a lot. Faith. Mm -hmm. And you had no act, no agent. Okay. Nope. No. So did you have to audition for your first show for your first movie? Well, first things first, when I got to Vancouver, this was before everybody had computers, right? So uh, I was going to internet cafes when that was a thing. Okay. And, yeah. and I, I was doing up my resume at the internet cafe and I was looking for an agent and, I was sending my my resume to all these different agencies, and then you would have to audition for your agent. They would want to see what 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 you were like. Yeah. And I, I mean, I was lucky. I I'm you know I'm ethnically ambiguous, so I can play a lot of different roles, um, and that's definitely something that um, agencies would like to have. You know. Um, I have like a Hispanic look. Uh, I'm very mi I'm very mixed, so I can play a lot of different things. Yeah, versatile. In yeah. yeah, very versatile. And in Vancouver, there's very few Hispanic actors. So um, I, I did have a pretty big pick of agencies that I could go with, but still I had to audition for that. Um, and, you know, I, in the beginning, I mean, I had I already had acting um credits, you know, like I, I, I had experience and I had been taking classes and I had already had a resume of, of work that I had done, but it was different, you know, like now I'm in a city where there's TV shows, right? And I'd never been on a TV show before. I, I didn't even know what that looked like, you know? So I started doing background and for, I think, 
probably two years I did, I did background work, uh, which was great because it got you or got me to see how that all works, right? right? What, what, what everyone's job is in the production, um, the, the hours, and also just like the craziness of having to do this, a scene over and over and over again. Um, and it's like Groundhog Day, right? Not right. only that. Let's say let's say it's a party scene and you're dancing at a club. Well, you'll have to do a take where you're dancing with music. Then you have to do a take with dancing without music, probably a few times. Then you have to do it again because you have this person's dialogue and then it's the other person's dialogue. And then there's going to be times where you're supposed to talk to the people that are around you. And other times you have to pretend that you're talking to these people because they don't want to have any sound. It's crazy. So, yes. Yeah. So that was really interesting. Um, and then, of course, for anything that I was was wanting to be part of, it definitely an audition process. And, you know, I mean, I was new to the city. I didn't know the casting agencies. I, I didn't know casting. I didn't know anybody. Right. So I was going in like completely blind. Um, and I mean, even just to get to these places at the time, I, I don't think I had a car. Um when I had first, when I first moved down there, I, yeah, I don't know what happened there. So I was like taking the bus to weird places and uh, getting lost. And <laughs> yes, you know, exactly. By yourself. Everything that, yeah, everything that happens when you move to a brand new city and you're young and, and naive, <laughs> but it worked out great, you know? Yeah, it now it's, worked out. it's a, it's a, it's a different beast. As you as you've been in the city longer, you you know the people, and you know it's not so um, not so scary. <laughs> right, exactly, exactly. But it's, but it's worked out for you in Vancouver, all right. Mm -hmm. And most of your success has been there, correct? Yeah. But I understand you're no longer in Vancouver. As a matter of fact, where are you now, and why did you move from Vancouver to where you are now? That's, yes. All right. Well, uh, where I am now is Belgrade, Serbia. Serbia. Oh, my goodness. Serbia. Yeah. It's, it's been a wild ride. Wow. I, you know, I didn't even really know much about Serbia until a few years ago. My, uh, my partner, my boyfriend, Mario Milanovic, he is Serbian, um, born in, in Belgrade, but didn't actually live here. He lived in Germany and then Canada and sometime in the U.S. But uh, about five years ago, he came back for some business and we had started to take trips here and we really enjoy it. The people are so welcoming. The food wow. is so fresh, like nice. GMO what? They don't have that here. Really? Um, nice. No, I mean, it's, it's incredible. And, and the, the prices are like, you know, gosh, you go to the piazza, which is, the farmer's market and you know you get bags and bags and bags of produce and it's like five bucks <laughs> oh really that's <laughs> and it. the tomatoes are like the sizes are the size of like two hands you know like it's what? just it's it's wild yeah it's beautiful really? um so anyways we had been coming back and forth for some time and really enjoyed it and then when when covid happened it was challenging you know in vancouver the prices are really expensive um, properties expensive. Yeah. My bills were really high and I wasn't working. So I, I found it quite challenging to, um, just sustain my regular lifestyle. And my partner really wanted to get out of the West. 
so he came out to Serbia and he persuaded me to come too. Yeah. Whoa. Yes. <laughs> so yeah, I I actually I did kind of what I did in Vancouver. Like I gave all my things away. Um, I also had an energy healing business in Vancouver. I closed the doors of that. I I gave everything I owned away, like all my clothes, all my accessories, all my. I used to style shoots too, so I Good. had closets full of. Yeah, full, yeah, full of everything. And I gave everything I owned to friends and whatever else I didn't, wasn't able to give away, I gave to charity. And uh, I packed two suitcases and moved to Serbia. And I mean, I didn't know the language. I didn't have any friends or family here. I didn't know what I was going to do. I didn't even know if I was going to act. I was just, again, going on faith. Really? And saying, yeah. Amazing. And I said, all right, all right, universe. All right, God. Yes. I know that everything's always working out for me. So let's just dive in and trust that everything that I desire is still going to be accessible. And I'm, and, and I'm just going to do it. And so I did. And within like a month, I got acquainted with an amazing acting coach from New York City, Adam Davenport. Yeah, hello, Adam. And yeah, and he's a phenomenal human being. He's now my acting coach and publicist. And he, he started an acting school out in Vancouver, in, in Serbia, believe it or not, because he was here. He, he came to prep for a movie that he was doing, and he is a phenomenal acting coach to begin with in, in New York. He won, like, top 10 acting coaches in, in the region. So when he came out here, he thought, all right, I, I'm going to start a school. So I joined his, his acting school and met friends that way. Yes. And got acquainted with casting agencies. And lo and behold, I end up working on a Hollywood movie in Serbia. Really? <laughs> yes. yes. A Hollywood movie to, in Serbia. Yeah. I've been, yes, in Serbia. I've been trying to break into the Hollywood scene uh, for some time, you know, and I'd done some small roles here and there or whatever. But, um, I would have never thought that coming to Serbia would land me a role in a legendary pictures feature film. Amazing. And it did. Yes. Yeah. Because yeah. I was going to ask you, I was going to say, I was going to ask you, well, most actresses, you know, if they want to make it big, they'll, they, they'll usually travel to, you know, Hollywood. Okay. Mm -hmm. But you traveled to Serbia and ended up in a Hollywood movie. <laughs> yeah. So, but how, yeah. how is the film industry out there? Is it is it booming? A lot of opportunities for you? Yeah, um, actually, it, you know, it's it's fantastic. They they really have a good foundation um, for productions to come here now. They they have uh, tons of crews ready to go. They're, the government is offering a tax incentive. It's also cheap right the labor is inexpensive ah, uh even, yeah and and it's not unionized out here oh it's not so no no it's very different in serbia they they actually they didn't even have any agents here up until this past year so even all the actors they just represent themselves which is something that is unheard of in the west thank you so they just yeah, it's like it's it's all who you know, right? So you you end up knowing casting directors or casting agents, yeah. and um, they find their roles that way, and uh, it's it's super unusual. Um, but because of that, they the the pay is very low typically for 
um, the actors out here. So when a production from, let's say, New York or Los Angeles comes here and, and they're, you know, paying bigger rates, it's a big deal. It's a big deal for the actors here. Yeah, I could imagine. Huh. Must be fighting, mm -hmm. fighting to get a role. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, we always are anyway. <laughs> you know, it's so interesting, though, because, again, wherever you go, you seem to land on your feet, you know? Absolutely. And we're going to talk about that. But I know that you, again, from reading your bio, and you mentioned you are a classically trained ballerina. I also understand you are Miss Hawaiian Tropic as well as being a successful actress, but which tells me that mm. you are someone who pretty much takes care of her body. And yet at one point in your life, you had a drug and alcohol problem. How did you, how did that come about? And what steps did you take to kick that habit? Well, you know, I've always been um, very good to my body and then also not so good to my body. <laughs> uh, and, and I think, I think primarily, gosh, you know, I, like, how did it start? I don't know. I mean, I think it first starts like you're just a kid and you're having fun and you're drinking and partying with friends. And, and then you get a little older and you're still drinking and partying with friends. And then maybe your friends are getting out of that and you still kind of doing it you know it just it, it was a progressive thing for me there wasn't any specific incident where you know it was super traumatic and you know I, I I wanted to escape but I found as the years went on I did use it for escapism you know like there's beliefs that were going on maybe beliefs of not being good enough or worthlessness or um you know lack right or fear you know and and I think rather than having to feel those feelings, it's so much easier to just numb it out. And that's what I did, you know. And I, and I think also another big part of it was my lifestyle, you know. Like I had, I had all these jobs and some of them were in nightclubs and some of them were in lounges and bars. And some of them were like in party scenes. Like when I had that marketing and promotions company, I was putting on big events traveling all over with other models, you know, even like the, like the Miss Hawaiian Tropic stuff, like you're, you're out and you're, you're with other gorgeous women at parties and they're offering you whatever, right? Drinks and drugs. Sure. And so, you know, it's a party until it's not a party. <laughs> right. Exactly. And I think, yeah, I think that's really what happened for me. But I, I think the, the longer that I, drank and did those drugs, um, the more I felt those feelings of worthlessness, you know, like the depression would, would set in the next day and for five days after, and, you know, I hated myself and I hated my life. And, you know, it would take for me to get like, okay, got to get up, dress up, show up, get to the gym. Right. And I would do this cycle thing, you know? Okay. So I party all weekend and then m come Monday, I'm back at the gym. I I got to get my body back, you know, and I start feeling better by Friday and then here we go party again on the weekend. So I think it was for me, I had to hit a place that was kind of like a rock bottom where I just couldn't do this anymore. And from that, I was able to make some changes, but it wasn't until I put the alcohol down completely um, that I could make any change.
But okay, but you did this on your own. No one came to you. You didn't do. You didn't go to a drug rehab program, alcohol anonymous, anything like that. Um. Oh my God, no! I tried everything. Oh, you did. I, <laughs> oh, sure. I mean, I when when I had, I think it. Oh God, it must have been nearly a decade ago now when I chose to quit drinking. Um. I I was like, okay, there's got to be a better way. Enough is enough. And I was on a spiritual path, you know, like I, I, there was, there was definitely, I, I knew that there had to be a better way. And I wanted to change my, I wanted to shift my perspective. And in that, I, I went and stayed at a spiritual retreat center for three months, you know, and I mean, it wasn't, it wasn't a rehab facility, but it, it was, it was for anybody, anybody who wanted to make a shift in their lives. Um, I, I also, I started something <laughs> that I sort of made up called the yes experiment where I would say yes to anything that came into my experience. And so if someone was like, you should try this course, I would say, yes, you should go to AA. I said, yes, you should get a sponsor. I said, yes. So I did absolutely everything I could get my hands on. <laughs> I, I've, I've gone for, um, silent meditation retreats, like Vipassana, where you meditate for 10 10 hours a day, 10 days, 10 days straight, which is a hundred hours of meditation really? in 10 days. Yeah. And in that you can't talk to anybody. You can't look at anybody. You have to keep your gaze down. Um, yeah, that was interesting. Um, I've gone and done like ayahuasca ceremonies, probably 20 of them. I've gone and done like dark room uh, meditations. I've gone for, um, you know, different sort of body work, energy work, um, any, oh my gosh, I, you know what, I probably have a list of like 40 different things that I've tried. Really? Really? <laughs> so I did not do it alone. Most definitely. And I, I guess I have to wait for the book to come out, right? On your life. You, pretty much. <laughs> cause I, cause I also know that you've studied a course called A Course in Miracles. That's, that, that that book, that course is by, uh, was written by Marianne Williamson, correct? No. This is the original. Marianne Williamson, yeah, the original is not. The original is actually, uh, it's, it was written by Automatic Writing, and it was Ellen Schumann. And she, she this, was in the, this was in the 70s. And her and her, her, and her partner, they uh, were psychologists or psychiatrists. No, psychiatrist. Yeah, uh, at a university, and it, and at the university, it was really having lots of uh, issues, and it was going downhill. And they were really their faculty was really having a, a hard time. And her and her partner, Bill Setford, um, were like, okay, something's got to give. And Ellen started hearing voices in her head, and the voices were saying, "This is a course in miracles. Take notes." And at first she thought she was crazy and she, she didn't want to do anything with it. And she thought, oh my gosh, this sounds like schizophrenia and, you know, being a, a, a psychologist, like, you know, this, this doesn't sound good. Right. So eventually as, as time went on, um, she eventually told Bill, like, look, this is, I got to tell you something. I know I'm hearing these voices. What do you think I should do? And he was like, did you ever think of taking notes? Because yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's what the voices were saying. That's good. This is wow. Miracles take notes. So she did. She she started taking notes and went and showed him the next day. 
And as he read what she wrote, he was like flabbergasted. It was, it was the words of, and this is, I mean, sounds crazy, uh, but Jesus. And, and she, she specifically, she was an atheist Jew or something like that. So, I mean, this was, this was not something that she was writing herself. It was very old English, um, which is not the way that she spoke. But they ended up writing this whole thing, and it was seven years it took them to write this this book. And there's a text, which is a very challenging read. And then there's the course, and there's 365 lessons, one per day. And it's all about changing your perspective. And so, of course, in Miracles was really a transformational for for me because, you know, I was I was stuck in these points of view of, you know, believing these ridiculous beliefs about myself and with the shift of perspective you can start seeing how the things that maybe I thought at one time maybe aren't true right yeah so this has changed your life and your whole perspective on life absolutely I mean and that's where it started I mean for I you know there's there's different ways of of saying it there's tons of different books and even like you know landmark personal development program was kind of the first uh, step that I had in that direction uh, when I quit drinking and the same thing it's about shifting your perspective and it's like this is the story and this is what I made up about the story or what the story means about me right and so it's it's that distinction between this is actually what happened and this is what I feel happened you know and when I can separate the two I'm not a victim anymore and when I'm not a victim anymore then I have control and I can choose the kind of reality that I wish to perceive or to have more of or to create. Hmm. So. Very, very deep. <laughs> and, I, and I love it. Do you believe in miracles or do you believe that we create, our, we create our own miracles? Well, I think both. I think, I think a miracle and even in A Course in Miracles, what they talk about is a miracle is just going from fear to love. In our experience, we, we, we oscillate all day long where we're in, in love. And when I mean love, I don't mean like romantic love, but just feeling joy, peace, freedom, all of that. And when we're in fear, we're feeling anything either than peace, love, and joy. So it could be annoyance. It could be, um, you know, when I say fear, not just fear of like the dog, but like fear of tomorrow you know, the future, yeah. the past, it, it, it could be heartache, it could be, you know, loneliness, like all of these emotions are all under the fear category. And so the miracle is being in a state of that, and then being able to get out of it, right, and shift to that love state. Mm. And I think that's what we're doing all the time, right? We want to spend more time over there. And when I'm over there, then I get to create more of that. Because Whatever I'm focused on, I get more of. So it's simple. It's just not easy. <laughs> Definitely not, you know. But the more you, whatever you focus the most, most of your time and energy on, the more you, that's what you bring out, right? That's what you bring about. And it's easy to say, but it's hard to focus on what you really want. Well, yeah. Well, we're so, we're so imprinted in patterns with, you know, this looking for what's wrong rather than looking for what's right. Exactly. Do you believe there's a higher power that directs your life? I, I definitely believe that there's 
um, a higher power. I don't necessarily think that it's directing my life. I believe that it's there if I want to take it. I believe I'm directing my life, but you know, when I let go and relax, right. And I trust, then I can go with the flow, but because I have free will, I can push away from that flow. Yes, easily. Anytime I want. Exactly. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yes. So true. So true. Now, at this stage of your career, your acting career, and your life, how important is fitness? Well, um, it's very important to me. Um, it's not, you know, fitness and um and nutrition, both are very important, but they're, but it's in a different way. You know, I used to, I used to be a crazy gym rat, you know, like I would spend three hours a day at the gym and I'm, I'm that girl that like, if I'm supposed to do 10 push ups, like I'll do 50, wow. you know, Good. like I push myself so hard, uh, almost to a, almost to a detriment because, you know, like I'm not, I, I didn't listen to my body for a really long time. And I didn't know how, you know, like, I think as human beings, we were raised where our parents said, you know, listen to me, I know better. Or the teacher says, listen to me, I know better. Or the doctor says, listen to me, I know better. Nobody said like, follow your inner guidance system, you know what to do. Right. Nobody said that. And because of that, we don't trust ourselves. We don't trust how our body feels. We don't trust these um, little bits of insight maybe or intuition that we get, we don't know that we know. And so forever I, I kept reading books about what I thought I should do for fitness or reading books about what I, th should, I thought I should do about nutrition. And now I do the opposite, you know, like I do what I can and I do, I do what lights me up. And with food, I eat what I want. And I don't mean it in a way of like, eat donuts all the time. Right. But, you know, I, I used to have this point of view that I'm supposed to eat breakfast, lunch, dinner, then three snacks in between and like, you know, don't eat after six and all of these things that we read or we heard. And that's fine and dandy, but like, that's not what my body's asking for. Huh. Right. Yes. So it wasn't until I actually, I took food away entirely. I became a breatharian, um, which a, a, a breatharian is somebody who sustains their life force energy by a changing your mind to what's possible and breathing exercises. And in that you don't have to eat food. I know that sounds wild, but I did that for half a year. Really? And yeah. And at first I thought, Oh my gosh, like there's no way that I'm going to be able to have any energy or whatever. And it was actually the opposite. Really? I had, yep. I had more energy than I had ever had before. I, um, I didn't, I didn't need to sleep as much. And this is why, this is what they say. And I mean, I don't, I, I don't know, uh, the facts behind it, but, um, what, what they say in breatharianism is that we use 80% of our energy to digest our food. So if that's the case and you get up in the morning and you eat and then you eat lunch and then you eat dinner and then you eat before bed, well, you're digesting all day long using 80% of your energy. That means that you're working on 20% energy all day. Wow. Well, how are you supposed to like drive your car, be creative, basic motor function, have conversations, you know, like that's tough. Well, you take 
all that digestion process away. And all of a sudden you have 80% more energy. So you can be more creative. Your body can heal throughout the day rather than waiting for you to fall asleep. You know, when you're finally not eating things like that. So anyways, long story short, I, I, I wanted to throw that in there just to say when I took all the food away and realized that these points of view that I had around, you know, I mean, even we were told if you don't drink water for three days, no food or water for three days, you'll die. Right. That right. was, I think, a, a, a common fact, quote unquote fact. Well, I've gone seven days with no food and no water and I wasn't thirsty or hungry. And I could have went longer. I was just bored. Oh, my goodness. What I believe will then become my reality. And so that's why it's important to change your mind to what's possible. But in that, in, in doing all of that, I realized, like, my body will tell me what it needs. And because I took everything away, I could just start implementing when I needed it, you know. And so some days, like, I'm not, I wouldn't call myself a breatharian anymore. Um, however, I might go a couple of days without eating. And then... Maybe I'll go a few days with eating a lot, or maybe I won't have breakfast for a while. Maybe I'll decide I just want salad, you know, but I just listen to my body and I give it what it desires and I don't have any problems. You know, I feel light. I feel more energetic. Yeah. Um, I, I have more energy to go out and I started running. Like I didn't think I was a runner. I started doing that. Huh. Um, and I love working out. I love working on the gym. I love heavy weights, but I don't go as crazy as I used to. I just, I just do what feels good. And you listen more to your body, correct? That's it. Amazing. Now, you recently wrapped up filming, as I mentioned, a co-lead in the feature because you're dead to me. And But you said you also mm -hmm. wrapped up a movie called The Machine. Talk about that for a minute. Well, uh, yeah, so... The Because You're Dead to Me is an independent film that we shot in Vancouver, and right now it's being sent to, to festivals, so we'll see what happens with that. And then The Machine is a legendary pictures feature film uh, from L.A., and that movie is about Burt Kreischer. He's a comedian in the U.S., and you can actually watch his special on Netflix. He's hilarious. Nice. He's he, yeah, he's a, he's a jolly dude that doesn't like to wear a shirt. Huh. So he's usually, he's usually topless in all of his stand-up. <laughs> he just doesn't like the way it feels. He's so, he's so funny. And actually doing the movie, he just, he, he wasn't wearing clothes for most of that. Too. <laughs> I mean, the top, he had pants on. Um, anyway, yeah, so he's, he's a hilarious comedian and he has a stand-up routine called The Machine. And what it's about is him in college uh, taking uh, Russian, which he actually thought was Spanish in the beginning, um, but is like that good of a student <laughs> that I didn't wow. realize. He wanted to get out of the class and the teacher was like, look, we need X amount of students for this to be a class. Just stay in the class and I'll give you a C. And he was like, okay. Really? And she's cool. like, you don't have to do, yeah, you don't have to do anything. You don't, I, I don't worry about like writing tests. What, like, I'll just give you a C. And he was like, score. So he took it. And after four years of Russian, they went on a class trip to Russia where he got involved with the Russian mob, and it's a hilarious uh, skit that he does all about that. So for the movie, it's about that, and then 20 years later, him and his dad get um, abducted 
by the Russian mob for things that they believe that he did 20 years prior. So it's Burt Kreischer and Mark Hamill plays his father, who is Luke Skywalker. Um, the original Luke Skywalker. Yep. And uh, yeah, and I'm in that and I play his teacher. <laughs> nice. And you see, you wrapped it up. So is it going to be released in a film or Netflix? How is it going to be released? Well, it's a feature film. So uh, Legendary Pictures also did like Godzilla, The Hangover. You know, they're a big production company. Oh, yeah. Um, I, yeah, it, that, I mean, I, I believe it's going to be Hollywood blockbuster. I don't know when they're going to release it. I, I don't know. I, I don't know what's happening with that now that, you know, so many productions, um, were probably put on hold because of COVID and maybe aren't released yet because all the theaters aren't back and running. You know, I don't, I don't really know. Right. But, right. But I do know that Bert right now is, uh, on tour, uh, with his standup. So he's, probably promoting the movie and hopefully it will be out i maybe by next year i'm hoping yes, <laughs> i hope so too it sounds great it really does you know how can my listeners find out more about you mercedes uh well um you can check me out on instagram i'm mercedes de la cruz one also you you know you can look me up on imdb and my imdb link is um, on my, on my Instagram page, uh, also Facebook, but I, you know what, I, I, I post on Instagram a few times a week at least, and I'm always talking about what I'm up to in my stories. And I make little videos here and there as well. And I post a lot of modeling pictures and people can reach me that way. I've also helped people out, um, you know, when it comes to getting clean and sober, um, you know, giving, you know, giving advice, whatever. So, yeah. you know, if anybody, if anybody needs a hand with anything like that, or just wants some advice, drop me a line. And they can do that via Instagram. Yeah. Nice. From Mercedes De La Cruz, on behalf of Body Scope of New York, that's my nonprofit organization, and Six Weeks of Fitness, I truly want to thank you for coming on my show today. Thank you. And to my listeners, I truly hope this program was informative, encouraging, and inspiring that you will continue tuning in to our six weeks of fitness podcast and if you have if you have any questions comments or suggestions for the show please leave them on my six weeks of fitness blog at www.sixweeksoffitness.com or email me at vince at sixweeks.com and don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss any future episodes take care bye bye bye